0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. All right, praise God. Romans chapter 12 is where we'll begin tonight. Romans 12, two verses, the first and the second verses. We're continuing our series um, called Helping the Hurting, which goes in compliance with uh, one of our great uh, ministries that we've started recently called Celebrate Recovery. I highly recommend this ministry. I know that there are a number of people in our congregation that... um, have been healed and delivered from addictions that can minister to other people. And we really need this ministry in our church. And through this teaching, I'm exposing you to some of the things that all of us have to deal with. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And tonight we're going to talk about character defects. How many of you think that you might have a character defect? My hand is up too, (laughs) okay? So Romans chapter 12, verse one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable And perfect will of God. The first part of these verses talk about what God wants, but the part that we could miss is how this can happen. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, and we're gonna talk about that tonight. God bless you, you may be seated. So today we're gonna talk about Transformation Day as a part of this series. The letter V in recovery stands for voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Did everybody get the sheets? If you, if you want a handout and you've been filling in the blanks, does everybody have those that wants them? Okay. So I'll try and let you know where the blanks, what the words go in the blanks are. And the first one, of course, is character defects. So the question would then become, where do my character defects come from? And there are three areas of your life that they come from. Number one is, they come from your chromosomes. That's a blank that needs to be filled in. My chromosomes. Well, what are my chromosomes? They are the biology of your body. They are your DNA. DNA. Doctors say that 23,000 chromosomes come from each of your two biological parents. They each contribute 23,000 chromosomes. These chromosomes influence your physical, emotional, and mental stability in your life. It is the beginning point of your life. You don't have any say in it but the greatest influence obviously has to come from your biological parents you can also have tendencies towards certain things because of what your parents had tendencies toward this is not an excuse for sin okay well you know i, I my grandfather was an alcoholic my father was an alcoholic i must be an alcoholic no No, you don't have to be an alcoholic. You may have a weakness toward alcoholism in part of your body, but you don't have to be an alcoholic. Okay? You can be delivered from alcoholism. You can be set free from alcoholism. You can have new chromosomes. If Jesus is my father and the church is my mother, then I can have new chromosomes. I can develop new emotional, new mental, and new physical abilities that i didn't have in my natural body i'm so thankful for this born again experience isn't it great to come to an altar and die in repentance be baptized in jesus name for the remission of your sins have your sins washed away have a spirit that causes you to overcome your flesh and be victorious we don't have to be what we were born with And then there's also circumstances. These contribute to your character defects. Well, what are are circumstances? Well, it's the way that you were raised. It's the environment that you you lived in. It's what your parents taught you. Moral values and and even um, manners and things like that. Those, Those come from your upbringing. Okay? And they do influence you. And I've noticed this as a pastor for a number of years, that there are some people that have no manners at all. And it tells me about their upbringing. It's not their fault. I'm not blaming them for that. But, you know, they don't know how to treat a spouse. They've been taught incorrectly. They don't know how to say please and thank you. They don't know how to open a door for people or to be kind. or They haven't learned these things because that's not the way that they were brought up. Again, aren't you glad to be a part of the church of the living God where we can learn how to live and how to treat one another and, and get along with people and respect one another? Okay, but if you don't have this, then you only have what you were raised with and that can contribute to your character defects. And then the third thing that contributes to your character defects is your choices. Choices. My choices have contributed to my character defects. Well, what does that mean? I have repeated habits over and over and over again that were bad choices. And again, God has got to give us this ability to make choices because he wants us to love him and he wants to love us. And that can only come from choice, not from being forced into something. But if you make the wrong choices enough times, it becomes a habit and you can begin to justify it. So if those are the three things that contribute to my character defects, what makes it so hard to change these defects in my life? Well, we're going to talk about four things. The first one is because I've had them so long. We're filling in these blanks as I go along here, but because I've had them so long, they have deep roots. Now I'm going to to say something that you'll be able to understand very easily, but it is it, it is the elephant in the room. Sin is addictive. It causes you to be addicted, and pretty soon you feel like you can't get out of it. You, you are no longer in control. Let me give you an example. You started out saying, well, I'll just be a casual drinker. I'll just drink once in a while with my buddies after a ball game. And pretty soon you begin to drink more and more and more, and then at first you deny that you have a problem, but then you can't deny your problem. You have a problem because you're now getting tickets for drunk driving. You've you've been intoxicated and embarrassed your wife or your family. And and pretty soon you have to come to grips with the fact that you do have a drinking problem, but you can't beat it yourself. Now you begin to feel hopeless. Because if you admit that you have a problem and you're not able to conquer it yourself, what's the alternative? That's why I'm glad for things like Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a place to start. It's a place to go and get some help. And and we need God and we need one another to defeat our habits. We cannot do it ourselves. And to say that I'm just going to I'm I'm just responsible for this. I got myself in this situation and I'm going to get myself out is not going to work. It's not going to work. But you become enrooted in this so long that it has deep roots. The next thing is, you identify with this character defect. And here's how you justify it. Well, that's just the way I am. That's who I am. This is what defines me. It's identity. And you know, there's other people that are like me. That have the same character defects. Let's go to Cheers where everybody knows your name. We all got the same problems. And we all try to drown them. But when you leave, they meet you at the door. When you go home at night, they're there waiting for you. When you wake up in the morning, there it is. It's your identity. Then the third thing is that it's how you get attention. It is a payoff. The payoff of a character defect it does have payoffs do you know that when and I guess I I could pick any addiction or any character defect but I guess I'll just stay with this one tonight on alcoholism alcoholism has a payoff you see when you become drunk you can be another person and the way you justify it is you say well I'm drunk you know, so that's why I'm so stupid and that's why I get in fights and that's why I intimidate people because I'm drunk. And so that excuses my behavior. It's how you can intimidate people. It's how you can justify abuse. It's my identity. That, that's my payoff. That's, again, who I am. You're just going to have to live with it. Some people are mean drunks and other people are not mean drunks. They're just drunks. But that's who we are. You're going to have to live with it. That's how I intimidate people. I can raise my voice or put up my dukes and that's my payoff. And then the fourth thing is why I can't beat my defects is because Satan discourages me. He tells me, Once he's got me hooked. See, that's why addictions are called vices. Did you know that? That's why people that smoke dope are called dopes. These are not praises. These labels that are put on these things, they're not praises. Vices are something that squeezes something. Can choke the life out of something. You don't want to get into any vices. You don't want to think that you can flirt with something that destroys people's lives. Think I'm the only one in the world that can manage this. I can handle it. And then when it, once it begins to squeeze the life out of you, Satan convinces you that there's no hope whatsoever. You will never defeat this. It's in your DNA. You justify it. You believe that there are other people like you. You relate to them. You become a leper colony. And you will never beat this. And he discourages you with it. And so you feel that you are in a prison that you can't get out of. So how do I cooperate with God's change process in my life to defeat this? How What is the answer? Well, again, I want to read this this second verse of Romans 12 one more time to you. It said, Be not conformed. And that's what we've been talking about here how people can get into addictions and, and justify it. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is transformed by the renewing of your mind? Well, here's what I think it is. I think that being transformed by the renewing of your mind is remembering what you have read and what you have heard and what you have experienced in God's word and in his presence. See? When Satan comes to you and says, uh, offers you words of condemnation, you can remember Romans. There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. What's that? It's being transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's remembering the promises of God. It's knowing what God's word has to say for your situation and for your temptation. When Jesus came out of the wilderness and Satan tempted him three times, what did he answer with each and every time? It is written, The renewing of his mind. It was in his mind, it was in his heart, and it came out of his mouth to defeat the devil. And he was hungry and he was tempted. See, temptation is not a sin. It's not a sin. But yielding to temptation, now that's a sin. We're all gonna be tempted. Jesus was tempted. Isn't that what the scripture says? He was tempted in all points, like as we, yet without sin. So if being tempted is a sin, then Jesus was in sin, and we know that's not true. So temptation is not a sin, but yielding to temptation is a sin. We overcome sin by being transformed. We change our thinking from what he's trying to focus us into to what the word of God has to say for our situation transforming our minds and the way we think. Because as a person thinks, so he becomes. So when we know that we're thinking wrong, we need to transform our thinking. So here's seven ways. This is what I want to give you. This is the primary part of this lesson tonight. Seven ways to change your mind. Okay, here we go. Number one, focus on changing one defect at a time. Okay, now when I asked you earlier, do any of you have any character defects, and it looked like everybody raised their hand, we probably could be dealing with several things. I want you to be in your little closet tonight, in your little cubicle, and not look around at other people and say, well, I know what your character defect is, and... uh. I want you to get a mirror and look at yourself and say, what do I struggle with? Okay, what does Rick Kiley struggle with in his character defects? Okay, let's tackle them one at a time. If you try to do too many things at one time, you will succeed at nothing. But if you say, hey, I know I've got my defects. I'm going to tackle the, I'm going to tackle them one at a time. Maybe the biggest one first. You've heard the saying, um, "Jack of all trades, master of none." Okay, be one thing. Paul said this. One thing. I do. And he started out by saying, I forget those things that are behind me, and I press forward unto those things which are before me. If If that's all you heard tonight, it would help you. It would help you. This one thing I do, this is what I'm going to conquer first. The second thing that you can change is focus on victory one day at a time. One day at a time one defect at a time one day at a time matthew 634 take therefore no thought for tomorrow tomorrow shall take care of the thoughts of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof another verse of scripture jesus said give us this day our not weekly not monthly not annually daily He fed the children of Israel six days. And only on the sixth day did he give them a double portion so that they wouldn't have to pick it on the Sabbath. But he fed them daily. They were not allowed to store anything. They had to trust him one day at a time. And it's the same with us. The third thing we can do is we can focus on God's power. God's power and not our power or even our willpower. We need to focus on God's power. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Where does my strength come from? My strength comes from the Lord. I am not alone. Number four, I can focus on what I want Not on what I don't want. Focus on what I want, not on what I don't want. Well, I don't want to be this, or I don't want to be that. Constantly dealing with your faults. Well, what do you want to be? What is your ambition? I want to be a Christian, I want to be Christ like. I want the fruit of the spirit, not the works of the flesh. Is anybody with me? Are you? I'm trying to get you to focus on how to overcome these defects. Focus on what you want, not on what you don't want in your life. Here's an example. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things, here's the way we should think. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, then think on these things. This is what we're supposed to think about. You have to train your mind as to what to think about. And these are the things. Is it true? Is it honest? Is it necessary? Right? Is that what you're thinking about? Or are you thinking about the negative? Where's your focus? And here's the result. The result is verse 9. And those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. There's the big word. Do. Do. And if you do, the God of peace shall be with you. So it's a culmination, transformed by the renewing of your mind. There it is. There's the fulfillment. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Number five, focus on doing good. Not on feeling good. Focus on doing good. Not feeling good. The world has a saying, if it feels good, do it. That will get you in a whole lot of trouble. I'll tell you what would feel good. Tomorrow morning when the alarm clock goes off. What would feel better? Getting up to seven below or staying under your electric blanket. You do that long enough and you won't feel so good. Might feel good for a few days, but it ain't going to feel good later on. Go do this because it'll feel good. Yeah, but what's the cost? What is the cost of feeling good versus doing good? Well, try and make you think tonight. Number six, uh, or excuse me, yes, number, f- number five that was, doing good, not, doing good, not feeling good. Uh, Galatians 5 and 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But how do we know what is walking in the spirit? See, I think this is a good time to maybe bring this up. The Spirit and the Word keep us balanced. If we say, I follow the leading of the Spirit of God, but it doesn't agree with the Word of God, then it's not the Holy Spirit. It's another spirit. And I'm not even calling it an evil spirit. It might just be your flesh. I just feel like God told me, no, you just wanted to do this and you blamed it on God. But walking in the spirit never contradicts what the word of God says. And the word of God never contradicts what the spirit says. Because the Spirit and the Word agree. And that's what keeps us balanced. Otherwise, we're standing on one leg. And we're going to easily be tipped over. People have lost their souls because they said, the Spirit told me to do something. And it was contrary to the Word of God. And they got away from the doctrine. Because they never believed that the Spirit and the Word would have to agree. They have to agree. Number six, focus on people who help me, not hinder me. Al McGuire once said the people you hang out with is the person you'll become. If you hang around with negative people, they're going to bring you down. Do you ever notice how people are attracted to positive people versus not being attracted to negative people? You know, there's just some people, you don't walk up and ask them how they're doing. Don't do it. Oh, my goodness, I've got aches and pains and problems and blah, 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 blah. And you say, oh, well, I'll, I'll pray for you, and you walk away as fast as you can. Now, I'm not saying you need to lie. But I'm just going through something right now. Pray for me. It's going to be all right. God'll see me through. But you don't have to give us all the details and cast your cares on us. Okay, that didn't go over too good. 1 Corinthians 15:33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. There it is again. Manners. What have you learned? Ecclesiastes 4. Two. This is verse 9, Ecclesiastes 4, 9. Two are better than one. They have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth. He doesn't have another to help him up. We need to help one another. Now, you are not the Lord and Savior of other people. But you are a brother in Christ. And I am my brother's keeper, Cain. If there's something I can do for my brother, I should. I'm not doing very good tonight, but this is just the way it's going here. Okay? We should try and help one another, but we are not the Messiah. Okay? And... And we need to be careful about the people we hang out with because we're going to pick up their manners and their mannerisms. You get around people that are negative and all they ever talk about is negative, 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 negative. Pretty soon you're going to be talking negative, negative, negative. You're not helping them. Okay. Recovery happens through relationships relationships. Again, that's why I'm, I'm, I think it's so important to be accountable to somebody. That's one of the things that, you know, and I, I, I never went to Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, all, this, all these things that I'm learning from other people and even what I'm learning in Celebrate Recovery is brand new to me. But I can see the importance of being accountable to somebody, I can see the blessing of knowing that I can call somebody and say, hey, I'm struggling with something right now. Can we have a cup of coffee together? Will you pray for me? Being accountable to somebody helps me. It's it's fulfilling what I just read to you from Ecclesiastes chapter four. I learned that in Celebrate Recovery too. And then number seven, focus on progress not on perfection you see progress comes through process but if you think if you think the goal is you'll never be happy till you're perfect you're mistaken life is a journey it's not just a destination. It's a journey to a destination. And we need, to, we need to be able to see the progression even though we don't see the perfection. Can I get an amen to that? Okay. So here's where I want to stop tonight. I'd like you to uh, put up, uh, Brother Bauer, if you'd put up Psalm 37... Three through seven. Here's the last thing I want to share with you tonight. Let's stand together. Here is a a formula that can really help you to be victorious, okay? Four things. Four things. Psalm 37 3. Number one, trust in the Lord. And do good. So you will dwell in the land and verily you will be fed. So number one is trust. Number two, verse four. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So number two is delight yourself. What does that mean? It means give yourself a history lesson. What are some of the things that God has done in your life in the past? Anybody ever remember when you couldn't pay the light bill? Ever ever worry about groceries? Ever make payments on a car that had already died? Look Look what the Lord's doing in your life now. Delight yourself. That's what David did when everybody turned against him. And they wanted to get rid of David as the king and kill him for what happened. What did it say he did? He delighted himself. Why? Because nobody else would. So number two is delight yourself. Number three, verse five. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And then number four, rest in the Lord. So here's the formula again. One more time. Here's how we can be transformed. Trust in the Lord with all your heart number two delight yourself in the Lord number three recommit yourself to the Lord and you know what the result will be when your head hits the pillow at night rest rest in the Lord I told you recently this is what God's working on me I need TNT in my life. I need to trust God and I need to be thankful to God. Trust God for what I need and be thankful for what I have. Praise God. Jesus, thank you tonight for the transformation that you've brought to our lives. We are such a blessed people. Thank you for giving us a new DNA. Thank you for teaching us new morals and manners and changing our environment. Thank you for helping us to make the right choices. Thank you for transforming our minds and our hearts. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.